School District is proud to present Coffee Talk, a conversation on social-emotional learning at home. Fill up your favorite mug and grab a chair. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Coffee Talk. Uh, I'm your host, Scott Delaney, third grade teacher in Campbell, Metuchen. I'm very happy and very lucky to be joined by two I would basically just say experts in the field right now when it comes to implementing SEL across the entire state. Our first guest is the founder and director of School Wellbeing Solutions and Astronauts SEL. Uh, he works very much with uh, breathe work, mindfulness, and he's a yoga educator. He is a positive psycholo uh, psychology practitioner and a former elementary and high school teacher and administrator. And he is a returning guest on this podcast. It's Martine Blank. How are you doing today? Good, Scott. It's awesome to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. Thanks for being back. And uh, along with Martine today, we actually have a superintendent in the township of Union Public Schools. He is a blogger, a graduate school professor at Rutgers University, a very strong SEL advocate in New Jersey, a Montclair professor and adjunct, and a co-creator of the Academy of Social Motion Learning in Schools, and is currently working to help certify teachers in SEL. And I have to say, probably has a top five first name you could ever name anybody. It is Dr. Scott Taylor. How are you doing today? <laughs> I agree with the first name, Fitz, Scott. I'm great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. I mean, look, I, I got to be honest. I, top, one of the biggest reasons I had to have you on here is because we obviously had to have a Scott Squared podcast. <laughs> I love it. I, I, I suddenly feel like a third wheel. <laughs> no, no, don't worry look all it's going to be is maybe slightly confusing as to which scott it's going to be on the episode but besides that at least martin everyone will know exactly who you are right away you probably have it best right now to be honest right yeah yep exactly so for today's episode we're actually going to be talking about something that we've talked a little bit about in the past on the podcast but haven't necessarily had the people on to dive in as deep as we would have liked we want to talk a little bit more about what SEL and implementation look like outside of Metuchen School District, what it looks like across the state, and even on a larger scale, how SEL is being implemented. And you two are probably the best people that I could think of that we could do this. Between having, Scott, you're able to talk about how it's certified in different areas and working in as a superintendent of a school district, how you do it from the top down. And Martin, you, as you were saying before, uh, before we got onto the podcast, you work in multiple districts right now, all helping them implement it, including Metuchen, the best that they possibly can. So let's talk a little bit first, just small scale. Where you are right now, how are you seeing SEL be implemented in either the district you're in right now, or Martin, in your case, the couple districts that you're working in right now? Yeah, thanks, Scott. So there's a huge variation in terms of how you would see SEL be implemented. There's um, differences in how people understand what SEL means. Uh, there's differences in how people understand uh, what it means to implement SEL with fidelity. Um, there's different levels of commitment, different levels of funding that can be allocated, um, support from, you know, higher level administrators. So it really runs the gamut. Uh, what I've seen, uh, I, I guess I'll just speak to both sides of the spectrum. Um, on one end, you have places that um, are doing it as a compliance uh, issue. And so there's sort of check boxes here. We'll dedicate um, a, a certain amount of minutes per week, if, if we're lucky, 
to talk about SEL. And so it'll be a thing. It'll be an add-on thing and it's definitely better than nothing, sometimes actually destructive, however. Then you'll have, um, on the other side of the spectrum, people who may not even have um, uh, official uh, or may not even have funding or carved out sort of time for SEL or may not even have that language written into their mission and vision, but are very much doing the work. Um, people who, who are in like placing relationships first, helping with emotional regulation uh, for students and modeling that and embedding SEL into the fabric of, of the school or district on, on that spectrum. So on that end of the spectrum. So um, yeah, there's, there's a, there's a big variety. I'm happy to get into it. Yeah. And it's funny that we kind of think about this because we've talked about it a little bit at parent levels and we talked about it at singular school district levels. And I think one of the things that we can take away, and I really want to talk about a little bit in this episode too, is that home situations are very similar to schools. You're going to have people at home that are going to be in different circumstances that are able to have more face-to-face -face time, that are able to embed it on a deeper level at a more regular pace. But that doesn't mean that like these school districts that also do have maybe less funding, that you can't implement it in some way at home as well. And I think it's nice to kind of get that opportunity to talk about that a little bit deeper. How can you do it on a smaller scale? How can you work within your own means to apply something into the regular day? Well, I, you know, one of the um, concerns I have about the way we're approaching social emotional well-being is we are not putting it on a pedestal like we should be. And that in some districts sends a message to families that you don't have to put it high on your priority list either. I have in three school districts now that I've led as superintendent been very forceful in my uh, preaching the importance of SEL to the extent whereby in public and in front of the 1200 employees I, I support here in union, I talk about how social emotional wellness, uh, well-being is more important than academic well-being. And, and I know that's blasphemous in some circles, but, uh, but I really, really push hard the notion that if we don't, if we don't feel uh, empathy for others, if we don't know how to relate to other people, small groups, large groups, if we don't know how to regulate our behaviors, et cetera, et cetera. Of course, I'm talking about the three of the five castle competencies. Um, nothing else is going to happen, especially uh, in the area of academic performance. So I have no problem getting in front of a crowd of people and saying, hey, uh, you know, I want you to spend uh, uh, teachers 20 to 30 minutes out of your 50 or 60 minute block at least once a week engaging uh, kids in circle talks or at the lower level that might be like the responsive classroom morning meeting setting, and then get to the curriculum. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've definitely seen the same thing that you're talking about now. When you take the time to really prioritize it and give it the time that it deserves, you really do see it work at its best. I mean, it's also one of those things that you need to truly believe in it too. As Martin was saying before, there are some places that will do it as a checkbox. I guarantee if you walk into those buildings, you could probably see the difference right away. It does start with leadership 
And that's, by the way, both formal and informal leadership. By formal leadership, I'm referring to people who have titles, like me. By informal leadership, I'm talking about people who might not have fancy titles, but are certainly respected by colleagues to, to, to pave the way and to, as uh, Martine said earlier in so many words, make it part of the culture, part of, a, the, part of the way of being in a school district, not just a strategy. I do agree with Martine that in those places uh, where um, uh, SEL is more of a strategy, it's more of an initiative, that, that, that's good. That's fine. And maybe it even helps frame what the culture should feel like, but it can't be the end all be all. It, 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 it could be start. It could start the culture change. But, uh, but the informal leaders and the, and, the, and the formal leaders, those who were listening, especially need to step up and just talk, talk the talk and walk the walk. And, and again, it's okay to say, hey, you know what, right, right now, um, getting your kids in uh, circle talks or in advisory meetings or in morning meetings is more important than prepping them for NJSLA or for Start Strong, which is administered in the third week of school. Yeah, I, I think what, what Scott's sharing and, and something that he's particularly good at, um, I think is this what you see in a lot of strong leaders, which is this ability to help their employees uh, prioritize what's, you know, because there's a lot of initiatives. There's a lot of things coming at teachers uh, every year. It seems like there's another thing, another demand, another uh, requirement, another piece of data that they need to keep. Uh, and so this this just giving permission uh, for knowing that you have a leader who gives you permission and encourages uh, spending time developing what's known as soft skills um, is is beautiful. And, and, and I've definitely worked with in places where that's not the case. And you can see that, um, you know, depending on the political climate or, or in the school, you can see that show up in the in the well-being and the mental health of, of students. But for those who are listening and are saying to themselves, oh, come on, you know, what am I supposed to do? Approach my principal, approach my direct supervisor and say, hey, I, I, I want to stop prepping for NJSLA and, and, I, and I really want you to support me taking the time out to do uh, SEL work. I say group, group up, numbers, get numbers going, get a team of five or six or seven of your peers uh, if you're not a formal leader and approach your, your direct supervisor, whether it be a principal or vice principal supervisor in, in a diplomatic and, and, and nurturing fashion, you know, reach out and say, Hey, I'd love to have a meeting because we're all thinking this. Can, can, can you, can you let us pilot something? Can you let us go this route and see if it catches steam? Yeah. And I, I, I love that. One thing I, I love about that, Scott, is that you're talking about embodying SEL in your uh in your championing of sel so the ability to work together with other people the ability to approach a, a leader strategically and respectfully uh you know all of those things uh, modeling and embodying i think is 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 top priority there i think the thing for me like as you two are both saying from the teacher perspective on things it definitely has been something that you do want to try your best to implement throughout the day as you can and knowing that you have that full backing from leadership to absolutely prioritize that. Like you were saying, Scott, 
academics come second to getting your children into the mental space where they can actually succeed in those academics in the first place. Knowing that support and knowing that people like Martine are being brought in by administration to obviously promote that, it makes it feel a lot easier to take the time to do it too. And, and you know, Scott, thanks for, um, for, for referring to bringing in Martine. I do, I do want to, to throw another strategy out there to, for, for listeners sake um, who are, who are trying to, to, to move forward on this effort. Um, one thing a leader can do, a formal leader can do is, uh, is hire somebody like Martine who's, 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 who focuses on self-care strategies, for instance, to work first with the adults in the, in the school system or in the school. Um, Martine has been doing a lot of work here in the Township of Union to uh, engage both my leadership team made up of about 40 individuals and uh, faculty who've elected to, to join him um, to, to learn how to use mindfulness strategies to improve their own mental well-being and, and subsequently enhance their own social emotional skills. Uh, so so that, that's a great way to, to get people to, to see the light, drink the Kool-Aid and realize, oh, you know what? Wow, this is working for me. I'm getting a lot better with my peers. I'm regulating my behaviors more effectively. Well, geez, it's probably going to work for my kids too. So let's Thanks, let's God. start let's start blank slate then. Let's think about for a second. Imagine you're. I mean, both of you have gone into districts that either have had SEL implemented on a tinier scale, or maybe are just getting started with it and need a place to start. Where would you two recommend starting when trying to bring SEL? either into a single school building or like you're doing, uh, Scott is bringing it onto a much larger scale to the whole level of a district. Now building to building to building, trying to continue these strategies. What's step one, where do you begin with that? As you said, you can have people come and approach an administrator, but how do you now, once you get that, yes, you get that. Okay. What do you think needs to happen first? Well, I'll, I'll, I'll start to answer the question and then pass the torch to Martine. I, I believe any new thing has to start small and grow. And uh, like, I like to call it positive mass. You know, uh, you're a teacher and uh, you, you really believe in the power of social, emotional uh, skill building. And so you, you do your work in your classroom and your own fiefdom, and then you share that work with a colleague. And then that colleague shares with another colleague. You talk about it in the faculty room. You talk about it over lunch. You talk about it for hap- during happy hour. If, you have, if you're so fortunate to be able to, to catch a drink on the way home uh, at a local tavern. And, and eventually, what I've seen work is that positive mass gets bigger and bigger and bigger until it overwhelms. I have an elementary school. I had seven elementary schools. One of them, Washington Elementary School, has seen just that happened with responsive classroom. Uh, we trained one person. One person said, hey, I really want to deep dive into responsive classroom. Sent that individual out for four-day training. That person came back, talked to a peer. Peer started doing it, went out for training. Before you know it, Washington Elementary School is becoming my, my pilot or lab school for responsive classroom. So I'm going to try to scale that out now to the other schools. Marcin, your thoughts? Yeah, there's there and there's research that 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 sort of backs that up. You see these um, sort of a bell curve when you look at um, culture change 
And SEL really is culture change. That's it's the work of organizational change, especially if it's if you're sort of starting from zero or step or, or, or step one, where it's not something that's currently embedded. So you'll have this bell curve, and you'll have three um, parts to it. You'll have your 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 bottom sort of you you can call them your negative Nancys, Debbie Downers, <laughs> resistors. People, we all know them, you know, in, in, in for different initiatives, you might have different people in that, you know, lower third. And then you've got the high up, the way on the other side, you've got your early adopters, the people that are really, you know, really believe in this. Um, Scott referenced, you know, the, the first person who went to responsive classroom. And then you've got the middle, and that's the majority of folks who are sort of on the fence. They're they're, they could go either way. They really could be swayed. Um, and so your job, if you're leading this either formally or informally, is to uh, do both two things. Protect those people from, from the Debbie Downers and then nurture and empower the early adopters to be able to catch fire and bring those the, 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 the on-the-fencers up onto your team um, the, a great analogy is starting a bonfire uh, or I was, I was just, you know, making a fire with my two year old the other day. It's the little tiny things that you put in the fire at the beginning. Those are what really matter. And we forget that, okay, this tiny leaf was, was a huge part of creating this huge fire and it couldn't have worked if I just put a huge log on it in, in, in a lighter. Um, and so that nurturing piece at the beginning is, is essential. And, and that definitely makes sense. I mean, from what I've seen from the teacher perspective on things, having it where you pilot a program, where you see someone at your level do it and actually speak for it, it helps you buy in a little bit faster. It helps you feel like, okay, like somebody I know who's in the classroom every single day is willing to give this a try and is seeing the benefits of that. And that to me always Spots. stood out as something I want to try. Yeah. Um, I, I just thought of one other thing that I would add um, for, for folks that are starting off on the, on the SEL, the school-wide SEL journey, which is um, the idea of creating a why sometimes is helpful. So as teachers, I always say teachers are salespeople. Uh, we sell all day. Um, we, we don't, maybe we're not selling cars unless you have a second job, but you're selling an idea and you got to get people to buy into it. And um, creating a why is huge. And, and a way to do that is um, creating tension between a desired outcome and the present reality. So the present reality, maybe it's like big pain. People are going through big pain. Uh, students are they're presenting with, with higher levels of needs. Um, and, and then showing or positioning SEL as a valid, which it is, as a valid solution to be able to support um, increased uh, or, or improved, improved student behavior, which decreases the burden of behavior management for the teacher. So you empower your students to manage their own emotions and their behavior. Now all of a sudden as a teacher, I've got a group of more regulated students and it makes my job easier as a, as a professional. What's in it for them is the question. That's true. I mean, getting the getting everyone at every level to buy in, I mean, includes the students. 
it includes the ones that are going to have to be able to receive these. Like they need to be able to start to grab onto these skills and start to think about how they can apply them and actually want to apply them. And that, that honestly can be where it can be hardest. But the nice thing I've seen at the same time is that it's, it's very similar to what you said with the bonfire with the students too. If one starts to see another student, give them empathy. Empathy I'd always say is highly contagious, not even like slightly contagious, but very, very highly contagious. It's like a couple of those videos where they always show like passing on kindness, like the the uh, what was it the yellow cone video? I don't remember, or the yellow jacket, right? Where they were able to pass around the kindness as it goes full circle eventually to work its way back to the person at the very beginning. That's more accurate than I think people believe even. Yeah, there's a great video, uh, the, the shirt, shirtless dancing guy. I don't know if you guys have seen that one. I don't think um, I no, I don't know that one. <laughs> it's so good. Just Google shirtless dancing guy leadership lesson and you'll see it. I won't explain it, but um, it's it's a. I, I actually use that video in my leadership classes to uh, <laughs> illustrate the power of, a, of modeling and uh, paying forward. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Stop, I guess I might have worked my. Delaney's, I can see him looking it up as we speak. Well, look, no, I might have walked myself into some trouble there. As being in one of his school leadership classes, I might have just uh, caught myself in a moment there. But <laughs> here, I guess here's one final question that we can kind of dive into. And I think this is the one that kind of gets overlooked. You always have those people that are going to be vocal about, no, I'm not going to do this. Why would I implement this? I know what I've been doing. I've been teaching for years. I've been working as administrator for years. Our building has been perfectly fine up till now. You have the people that are all gung-ho about it. I'm ready to bring this in right now. I'm so excited to dive into this. But what about the people that are hesitant and nervous to do it correctly? The way to go is to engage them in participant-centered activities that have them not just, just to show them, have them feel the power of relationship building, interpersonal skill building, you know, uh, self-regulation building. That that is the trick in all my workshops. And whenever I introduce SEL to uh, a group of uh, people who either signed up for this workshop or, or did not sign up for this workshop, I'm spending vast majority of my time engaging them in the kinds of um, activities that people can incorporate in their classrooms if they're teachers. You know, I, I do this one workshop, something like highly effective strategies for middle and high school teachers you can use right now. They're five or 10 minute things. Buying a $15 thumb ball from Amazon that promotes um, just fun discussion among students, among a group of people, is an activity I'll have my um, participants uh, in a workshop take part in. And I think it just helps them feeling it, you know? And I mean, I don't care what kind of learner you are. I really think, you know, John Dewey was all about this, right? Really think that if you're constructivist minded about your 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 teaching and your learning, you'll 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 build the power, you'll build the capacity to better understand and likely buy into what we've been talking about for almost the last thirty minutes. Yeah, I'll I'll second that. Uh, there's there's very um, few ways of putting out your fire that are are more dampening than a boring presentation about SEL 
and about, uh, you know, filled with the word should. <laughs> so to get rid of should, the word should, you, should, you shouldn't do that, right? Uh, <laughs> and um, incorporate fun and positive emotion. Make it so that SEL is a movement that is so magnetic and so ins- inspirational that even the, the most downer of the Debbies will have no choice but to either join in or jump ship, you know, so if it, if that makes it that that makes it effective. And, and, and you know what, Martin, how about you, you know, if you're a, a leader, a formal leader, or you're, you're a, a teacher coordinator, professional development, you're looking to do something for colleagues in this area, how about you not even um, call it an SEL workshop? How about you, you do it subversively? You, you, yeah. you, um, you, you do some kind of an of a experience with people that has nothing to do with the five castle core competencies, which, by the way, as we all know, the New Jersey Department of Education adopted and called stand, and now calling standards. Just, just, just throw some good things at people that inadvertently yeah. have them understanding the power of social emotional well-being. Yeah, almost like those reveal at the end. Aha, it's been SEL mm. all along. <laughs> <laughs> Surprise! Yeah, and I always feel yeah. like that's one of those things that I think will help people feel more comfortable going forward. I think it's one of those things that people just need that pat on the back, that reassurance that, look, we're here to support you through the good, the bad, the up, the down, the effort you're going to put in can be seen and matched. And I feel like at all levels, that's something important to do. Uh, that sadly is all the time we have for today. Uh, I'd like to thank you both for joining me for today, but I do have one last question before we go. The groundhog predicted recently that we were going to get more weeks of winter. I can't quite say in New Jersey, we've had any more weeks of winter since then. So any predictions going forward, Scott, we'll start with you. Any idea? Are we going to get cold again? Any snow this year? What no. Do you think? No, because I didn't build any snow days into this year's school calendar. So the gods are going to stay with me. The weather gods. No, no, we're, we're good. We're done. We're 50 degrees and out. All right. Martin, yeah. what do you think? I, I'm, I don't think I'm, uh, I'm the one to, I'm from California. So I, <laughs> I've never seen snow. I'm just kidding. I, I have, but just very recently. <laughs> So, so you're definitely hoping for more snow then. You're hoping it not only is going to hit us in New Jersey, you're hoping it goes all the way out to California and then you get some yeah, snow right. out there as well. Let's Look, we they, got two they, very opposite ends of the spectrum. Scott, you're done with snow. I, We're not going to get it at all. And Martin's hoping it goes across the whole continent. Apparently, they've, they've gotten more snow this year than we have. So parts of California. Yeah. Least, so interesting. Well, as I said before, thanks again for joining me. I really appreciate you two taking the time to do this, and uh, hopefully we'll get to talk again soon. If you didn't finish up your drink, finish it up now. We look forward to talking to you again soon.